Welcome back, everybody. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition brought to you by Campus to Canton. Follow them on the Twitter at Campus, the number two Canton. I am your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend. He makes it all happen over at CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. And Xavier Trish, father of the year, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter machine. Guys, last week, it's on me. I said, let's record a day early. And we did. Uh, we recorded on Tuesday to put the show out on Wednesday. And then Nick Saban retired on Wednesday. So we're kind of a week late with this news. <laughs> but as we talked about this before we hit record, Nick, obviously, now we see the full scope of things that happened and all of the dominoes that have fallen, or most of the dominoes that have fallen anyway, since Saban left. Um, let's just first hit what Saban means to college football and you know what what his his retiring obviously is going to impact a ton and we'll get into the X's and O's and coaching changes but just for the game of football overall I mean Saban was incredible he you know revived Alabama to its previous glory that I mean the best glory they've ever had and um just a historic run by him and an amazing head coach yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that Nick Saban was the, you know, the best to ever do it at the college level. Uh, maybe football in general. I think there's there's definitely an argument to be made that the just level of dominance uh, that Alabama had under his watch um, is is absolutely incredible. And and of course, he had uh, success elsewhere. Also, won a national championship at LSU. Uh, everybody is, I'm sure, spent you know, the last week, uh, not, you know, ticking off all of the, the accolades. Um, but it is kind of, you know, the thing that struck me and, you know, you opened with it, uh, we decided to record a week early last week and then everything changed, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, immediately uh, it, it, it was one of those things where, you know, it wasn't a shock. We we expected that Nick Saban would retire sooner rather than later. And with hindsight being what it is, we probably should have, you know, I probably should have picked up a little more on some of the signs throughout the course of the season. A lot of people, you know, mentioned how it looked like he was having a little more fun uh, with certain things, looked like he was kind of taking it in a little bit more. Um perhaps in some ways a little more laid back, although I think we've seen, you know, he was trending in that direction over the, the previous few years. Um, uh, but when it actually happened, you know, there was a uh, like, wow, you know, he actually is stepping away. And, and uh, uh, since, you know, since then, um, like I said, everything has changed. I mean, we saw a, uh, uh, head coach that that led his team to the national championship uh, game, Kalen DeBoer, move to Alabama. We've seen, uh, you know, pretty mass exodus of, of Alabama players to the transfer portal, which is, um, you know, something that that I probably maybe should have expected, but but really didn't. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see, you know, the Alabama fan base reacting to that. Um, they're a little, you know, slow to, to deal with something that the rest of college football for the most part has, has dealt with the last, 
a few years. Um, but just the, you know, the dominoes that have fallen and the fact that Nick Saban stepping away has led to uh, what? Alabama, Washington, Arizona, San Jose State, mm-hmm. South Alabama, and Buffalo. We thought we were done. I was thinking we might have the first year head coach draft here pretty soon. And then six jobs open up and, and you know, uh, there's at least one more big domino that, that could fall that probably won't have quite as big of a, a ripple effect if Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL. But um, getting back to your original question, I mean, it, it, I think just pretty simply, you know, Alabama uh, under Nick Saban was the greatest dynasty, certainly in this generation, probably a few generations. Uh, Nick Saban himself is the best coach that college football has seen. Um, and I think you can can make an argument that just sort of the, the level of success that he had, um, he's very much in the conversation for, you know, the best football coach. Um that that we have seen so an absolute legend and uh we'll we'll miss him but uh uh it it'll be very very interesting to see how everything shakes out uh you know once once the the you know dominoes stop falling and and we kind of see what that alabama roster is like as well as you know all these other major college football programs that are uh impacted um it'll be very very, very interesting to see um, how this all, you know, works out in the 2024 season, which, as we've said plenty of times before, is is uh, going to be perhaps the most unique college football season we've seen yet, you know, before this happened. <laughs> right, right. Xavier, your thoughts on uh, Nick Saban and what, what he leaves behind in college football? This is the, the, the Sith Lord is gone. <laughs> Emperor Palpatine is dead. Yes, the 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 reckoning can. In a couple of years, are we going to have the somehow Palpatine returned? I don't think so. I think I think he's good. I think he's done what he wanted to do. I think you know something he mentioned in his in an interview that he had done with Alabama um, most recently was that he had talked a lot to his wife, and that his wife and him kind of just came to the conclusion that he couldn't continue to do this, and that waking up every morning with the same energy just wasn't there uh, um, and the fervor more importantly. And this is, this is always why coaches at the NFL level can coach until they're 85, but coaches at the, at the college level can, you know, only coach so long as recruiting is recruiting. Like recruiting is recruiting sucks. Let me, uh, <laughs> it's not a fun time to a degree, right? Like at the end of the day, you're away from your family traveling all across the country to go watch high school football games for 365 days, right? Like even, like, you know, you got when even when you're sitting there, you know, preparing for game week, you're also still keeping an eye on recruiting. And it's just a factor about college football that doesn't exist anywhere else um, at any other level where you've got to do that. And so I, I think for for uh, for Nick, at some point, it just came to a, you know, a conclusion for him that he was just he was good. I think, you know, look, the, the man has been elite at this level and he hasn't really fallen off at any point ever. Uh, even this year, right, which we considered a down year in the way that they performed, they were, you know, an overtime touchdown away from possibly finding themselves in the national championship game. I think for him, he felt comfortable leaving on this on his own terms. Um, I will say I do think that college football's recent developments have maybe sped up this process. I think things like the transfer portal, um, things like the 12-team playoff have possibly, you know, put him in a position where he may have felt like he needed to – maybe he needed to leave a little bit earlier, right, whereas, you know, in previous years – him having a little bit more control over his recruiting class, having a little bit more control 
over the things that he, you know, that he could control were always there where now it's not always the case. And I mean, we'll, we'll get into obviously the mass exodus that's happening, happening at Alabama as a part of that. Right. So obviously one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach of all time in not just only football, but uh, team sports, the elite consistency of what he was able to do, not only at Alabama, but also what he was able to do at LSU does not need to be diminished in the slightest. Um, I know, I know you said you're going to miss him. (laughs) I won't. Um, That guy was, a you know, look in the last two, the last decade, I've had both urban Meyer and now now Nick Saban leave. I am in bliss as a Georgia fan. Um, And, and rightfully so, you know, to a degree at the end of the day, I'm not suggesting that I want to beat Bama now without Nick Saban. It's always it was always going to be more fun to do it with him there. But look, they're going to go through a little bit of a trial period. Um, I said that history repeats itself to a lot of Bama fans. After Bear Bryant, they went through a couple of coaches. After Gene Stallings, they went through even more coaches. They're going to go through a couple of guys, I think, before they end up finding the next great Bama coach. Uh, to be honest. Well, the next Bama coach has been hired already, Nick, and it's Kalen DeBoer from Washington. And, you know, let's just start with that domino first. So your thoughts on DeBoer and anything you want to add to the process of getting to him, you know, that's a little bit old at this point, but Kalen DeBoer moving from Washington, becoming the new Alabama head coach, your thoughts. Uh, Well, uh, so I'm, I'm torn a little bit on what Xavier just said. I mean, in in most situations, and knowing what we know now, a week later, seeing you know the level of of players, including maybe uh, someone who I think is uh, very much in consideration to be the the best player in college football, regardless of position, entering the transfer portal, um, it it is a tougher situation now at Alabama, roster wise. Um, it was already going to be tough to follow a legend anywhere you do it. I mean, we've seen, you know, Florida State uh, struggle to do it. We've seen Alabama, of course, before, as as you mentioned. Um, uh, even like you know Virginia Tech, where Frank Beamer Frank Beamer was uh, legendary for so long. Um, they've they've struggled, you know, a bit to to get back to that level of consistency. Um, so when you take over for a legend, somebody who's been there for decade plus um it's always tough however i think that kalen DeBoer is a really really good football coach and uh, you know the work that he has done to quickly um uh, build a very impressive staff there um you know i was i was really impressed uh most recently of course getting Washington to the national championship. We talked about it all season that Washington uh, was not, you know, the most talented team, raw talent. They, they really didn't stack up. I mean, we uh, mentioned the, the, you know, two, four, seven sports team talent uh, composite uh, where Washington was, you know, what toward, toward 20 or so in, in raw talent. A lot of our individual uh, position groups, um, you know, they, they fall in that area. Um, the level of production that they were able to gain, uh, in large part due to, you know, Kalen DeBoer and that coaching staff, they were able to, to increase, you know, the roster strength numbers and, and become a, 
just really solid team on the field. Um, but, you know, looking position by position, especially on the defensive side of the ball where they did struggle. I mean, we're, we're seeing, you know, the defensive line average 247 rating of 34, linebackers 59, defensive backs 33. And that team played for a national championship. Um, no offensive skill position was better than 14th, and that was wide receivers, where we, you know, considered Washington as having probably the best wide receiver group in the country. Um, and, you know, they were able to, to take a group that is certainly talented, top 15 level as far as raw talent, and turn them into, uh, you know, the best and most productive uh, group of receivers in the country, arguably. So, um, that in itself is really impressive what Kalen DeBoer, Kalen DeBoer and his coaching staff did this year. Um, you know, beating Oregon twice, which Oregon was consistently right there among the very best teams in the country in our numbers, uh, in team performance and power ratings and, and all that good stuff. Um, finding ways to win games where they didn't play particularly well um, was was very impressive. But then think back to this Washington program that DeBoer took over a couple of years ago, um, you know, to, to, to cover as much ground as they did in, in a, a relatively short period of time is incredibly impressive. Uh, but you can continue to go back. I mean, the job he did at Fresno State was excellent. Um, you know, there's been plenty of talk about his head coaching career dating back all the way to NAIA and three national championships in five years at the University of Sioux Falls was, you know, really impressive. Good coaches can coach at any level. And, and Caleb DeBoer has, has proven that as a head coach. His head coaching record is just <laughs> incredible uh, across the board, 104 and 12 as a college head coach. Um, remarkable and and he's done it you know through a variety of of different avenues as well took the assistant coaching route so dominant as a head coach at the nai level uh moves up to offensive coordinator at fcs southern illinois then offensive coordinator at eastern michigan then fresno state indiana um and then finally gets a, a job as a uh, an fbs head coach so the guy is one at every level he's elevated uh, the offenses everywhere that he has been um, is just a, a really, really, really good football coach. And the fact that he was able to convince two other FBS sitting head coaches to join his defensive coaching staff, um, Kane uh, Womack, I'm, we're mispronouncing that. It's not Womack. It's, it's, uh, I'll have to look back at it. I saw a tweet after he was hired. Um, but uh, well. Wom, I don't know. Uh, maybe something. Yeah, there's. It's a little bit different. It, it's a little bit different Flangy. than, than what I've been saying for a few years. Yeah. Um, but then also Maurice Lindquist at, at uh, Buffalo uh, is going to take a position coach job at, at Alabama. So um, the the staff is really good. DeBoer is really good. His you know resume is incredible, and as as much of a you know less than desirable or or less than perfect roster situation he's taken over with a lot of these guys entering the transfer portal and and then you know the the common Alabama offseason uh issue of of a very talented roster a lot of guys leaving early for the NFL it's you know it's going to take some work 
but I, I so far am, am willing to give Kalen DeBoer the benefit of the doubt. I think that he's such a good head coach, such a good offensive architect. He's earned the benefit of the doubt, and now he's going to a place that's got more resources and more talent um, available than anywhere he's ever been before by a pretty wide margin. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't think there's going to be that big of a drop off. I mean, yeah, maybe year one, um, you know, we see Alabama slip to, you know, nine and three regular season, something like that, which seems unheard of, but you know, for most teams probably would, would not be, uh, a huge, huge step back in a rebuilding year. But I, I think that DeBoer is, is really going to be able to um, keep Alabama competing for SEC championships, playoff berths, and, and probably, you know, in the national title picture uh, far more often than not. So um, I understand the reasoning that, that, yeah, maybe Alabama takes a little bit of a step back. Yeah, there are some potential concerns. He's never coached in the SEC, never in the South. Um, uh, never, you know, uh, really been at, at this, uh, had the spotlight so firmly on him uh, at a place like Alabama, even Washington, as good as they were, um, and as, as rich of a, a history as that program has, a little bit of a different situation um, as far as media spotlight. So, uh, you know, I, I understand some of the concerns, but man, Kalen DeBoer is such a good coach that, that, He's earned the benefit of the doubt in my eyes, and and I don't think we're going to see much of a drop off long term. Uh, you know, at least for the foreseeable future. Xavier, what do you think of Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama? Is this, you know, Nick talked about the difference in pressure. Obviously, uh, you know, Washington versus Alabama. Washington's a great university to be at, but Alabama is the tip of the spear for college football. So, uh, right. how do you think DeBoer is going to be able to handle it? Yeah, there's going to be a setback. I, I just it's there's too much in the way of him at the current moment for me to suggest that there's just not going to be like I I just want people to like fully grasp the levels that Nick Saban had them at, and I think that's where for me that's where you see the biggest drop off, and it's not necessarily in a on the field basis. It's in the recruiting. It's on a recruiting trail. He had the level of gravity that he could pull a kid from any state in the South. And now that's changed. That is completely flipped on its head. And you've seen it already. Um, Ryan Williams, five-star receiver for 2025, decommitted. Another wide receiver from 2025, five-star. French, two Fs, Williams, decommitted. Um, you're looking at a situation that um, with – Obviously, his own his own current kids. I think twenty eight Alabama players have now entered the portal. Um, it's just going to be hard for him, a guy that has very little experience in the South, to really hold that kind of gravity over the next at least two seasons. Right now, if he can show that he can really get everybody on board, and if he can show a winning tendency at Alabama, that's one thing. But to have the level of gravity that a Saban had. In the recruiting trails, a completely different thing, right? Kids were taking smaller NIL deals to go to Alabama because they knew they were going to the pros. Uh, now Kalen DeBoer is there. He's going to have to show that. He's going to have to show that first uh, before that's a guarantee. The, some, like I said, some of the states in particular that I look at automatically and go, are you sure you can recruit in that state anymore at a high level? Georgia. 
he pulled out of out of the last two or three years, Saban was still able to execute and pull some of the highest talent from the state of Georgia. Um, Caleb Downs, obviously, back into the, is a guy who was on Georgia's hot list. Justice Haynes, another one that was, you know, a guy that would have ended up, I think, at Georgia if not for Saban. So once again, you look around just the state of Georgia, and it's going to be really tough to think that he's going to be able to go into Georgia, Louisiana, heck, even Mississippi, and go, yeah, I can pull the top kids out of that state um, and do so at a great level. And it's not just the fact that I don't believe Kalen DeBoer can do that from a recruiting space. It's also his ability as far as name cachet and recognition. Now, granted, just in the national championship, that helps a lot. This is also a guy that's from Sioux Falls. I don't think has ever been any far any farther south than what Indiana at this point as a coach. Um, and so it's going to be you know some time to get used to for some of the kids. It was one thing to hear Nick Saban. It's another thing to hear Kalen the board. I can already tell you, there's going to be so many people in the south that butcher his name every single time he meets a kid, right? The Bauer. Uh, whatever you want to fall like there's going to be it's just going to be situations right I just feel like for them they're going to have to find out what DeBoer's identity is going to be at Bama is he going to be a Kiffin style where he's offense heavy you know defense you know I'll have a defense every three to four years is he going to be more of is he going to find his way back to being like a you know a Kirby in, in regards to having consistently just all around good teams every single year maybe a couple holes here and there but nothing massive there's going to be some time here. Like, I'm not thinking – I don't think it'll be a Mike Norvell type fall off where, you know, Florida State had to go almost into a complete revamp for, for two and a half, almost three years. But this is going to be some 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 uh, some growing pains here. Um, and, and I think it's going to find – you're going to find yourself over the next two seasons, hope, you know, for Alabama's perspective, trying to figure out where they are. And it doesn't help that at the same time, Venables – and Sarkeesian are moving right into your conference at the exact same time, saying to themselves, hey, <laughs> we're in the SEC now. Oklahoma and, you know, Texas, Texas coming off of a, of a semifinal berth, are now in a position where they can go into those those places and, and poach kids more so, or at, the, or at a competing level with Alabama, not just with Nick Saban. It was a lot different when you talk about what Saban could walk into the state of Georgia and do and what the University of Alabama could do. I think those two things weren't necessarily mutually exclusive. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting uh, at, at some of these places here. Let, let's move over and talk about how uh, the Huskies are replacing DeBoer because Jed Fish is leaving Arizona and taking the entirety of his staff. I feel like the ones that didn't leave and already go to Texas are going uh, to Washington now. So, uh, We'll get into the fallout from the portal and all that stuff after we talk about the coaches stuff. But Nick, your thoughts on Jed Fish uh, jumping ship at Arizona and going over to Washington? Uh, well, so uh, you know, as press is as impressed as I've been with the full track record of Kalen DeBoer. Um, I mean, Jed Fish did one of the most impressive rebuilding jobs in in three seasons. Um, as anybody in, you know, college football and in, in recent memory, I mean, that the, the, you know, this Arizona team that he inherited was, was bad. I mean, you know, how often did we discuss Kevin Sumlin and, and the darkest days of Arizona in, you know, 2019, 2020, um, it was arguably the worst 
power five job in, in, you know, college football when he took it over or, you know, maybe not job, but uh, the, the situation, you know, where the, the program was uh, when he took over and he, he built it, you know, built it pretty slow and, and steady, but um, had a lot of success on the recruiting trail and then turned that in to wins. However, uh, for Jed Fish, you know, it is his first, Arizona was his first head coaching job. He, he coached two games as an interim coach at UCLA in 2017 after um, Jim Mora was fired. Um, and, you know, the, the overall record at Arizona wasn't spectacular, 16 and 21 uh, after, you know, getting started at, at 1 and 11. Um, but, you know, going from 11 losses in 2021 to 10 wins in 2023 is, is incredibly impressive. And we've spent time the last couple of shows talking about, um, you know, what we think our power ratings would look like in the uh, preseason. And we were discussing Arizona as a, you know, top 15, top 10 type team. Um, and he is, you know, leaving for a a program that just got done playing for a national championship. Uh, but, you know, really other than uh, our first thought where, you know, I think we had Washington eight in, in our power rankings, but comparing that to a lot of others in the industry, there seems to be a lot more optimism for Arizona, uh, at least, you know, before these moves were made uh, than there was for Washington, as far as, you know, the talent on hand experience, things like that. Um, so, as in, as impressive as as uh, Fish was the last three years, as uh, you know, well as as he has built that program and what looked like they were perhaps ready to take another step forward in 2024. Um, you know, looking back at Jed Fish's resume, we probably shouldn't be too surprised that he was willing to move on so quickly. I mean, he's he's got one of the longer resumes. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe in coaching and it's college NFL back and forth, QB job, OC job, um, here and there and everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, some, some guys are maybe just not, uh, ready to settle down. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't think that Arizona was the place where he was going to be super long-term. And I know they've got some you know, financial, uh, difficulties that have come to light in the last uh, few months, there so perhaps that factored in and and i do believe that uh you know he's getting a, a pretty good pay bump uh which certainly has something to do with it but um you know jed jedfish is is someone who uh, has a, a you know shorter track record as a head coach than kaylin DeBoer. but the small sample size we have those three years have been really impressive and i thought that he did you know build that roster and and build that that team and, and that program uh, really the right way seemed to do it. The vast majority of, of, you know, the guys who are making big plays this year um, were homegrown, you know, were high school recruits uh, guys like Jonah Coleman at, at running back, Noah Fafita, that, that offense, really the team as a whole uh, took their play to a new level when Fafita took over for an injured Jaden Delora. Um, and then, you know, Detroit McMillan is, is maybe the top wide receiver in college football entering 2024. All three of those guys, um, were high school recruits in the 2022 class 
that signed up after Arizona went one and 11 and, and, you know, we're part of a big step in the right direction, but, you know, just five wins uh, in, in 2022. And then, you know, really elevated that program and they rebuilt that defense as well. I mean, they took a, a huge, huge step forward uh, defensively last year. And obviously, you know, a couple of members of that staff, as you, as you alluded to, um, caught the eye of, of uh, Texas and, and that head coaching staff. So uh, Jed Fish, I mean, not a, not a shock that he moved on, but, but maybe a little bit of a surprise given how far Arizona had come so quickly and, and as, you know, poised as they appeared to be uh, maybe for a really special 2024 season. Um, but also, you know, he's, he's a good coach and Washington's a good job. He's got a tough job ahead of him rebuilding that roster because as we'll talk about later, it, it seems like they pretty much have their entire starting lineup uh, from the national championship game to replace. I'm sure he'll be able to fill a few former Arizona players uh, in there and, and get some other portal guys too. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like he was probably going to win more games at Arizona in 2024 had he stayed than perhaps he will at, at, at Washington uh, in year one. But will it be the, the better term, you know, better long-term fit, uh, long-term, uh, you know, have the potential to, to have more success? Um, potentially. You know, Washington is is a, a really, really good job, and Arizona can can be tough, uh, as we know, you know, the situation he took over. Xavier, your thoughts on uh, Jed Fish going to Washington. Do you like the hire for Washington? And, you know, I know, you know, Nick is right. It's tough to leave U of A, especially when you're building that program right. And, you know, you know there's a lot of fans there. And But I don't blame – I don't blame Fish for – going to Washington was just in the national championship. So, right. you know, it, it's, it is a better job, un, unfortunately, yeah. for Arizona fans. Yeah, I think it's a long-term move. Like, I, I completely agree with Nick. I don't think that Washington or, or Washington's going to be better than, you know, Arizona coming into this year, just looking at the talent. But I think for Fish, it's more of a, what is a possibility in the next four years, five years? Can I get a con- level of consistency at Washington, especially in the Big Ten, where let's be perfectly honest with ourselves, the the three, four, five teams in that conference are completely up for grabs. Um, And I think that he sees an opportunity there with an infrastructure that allowed the board to finally figure out a way to get to a national title by, you know, properly investing. You know, obviously the cities that they're in being in Seattle and, you know, obviously the university investing into the football program a bunch in recent years. I think he sees a, a, a more of an ability to reach the national championship again versus where Arizona might this year find itself in the top 12 or, you know, feasibly we thought they could find themselves right outside the top 12, if not in the top 12 this year. I think long-term he sees an opportunity at Washington to be a consistent top 12 team. That means you're consistently in the playoff um, and finding yourself in a position where you're a consistent national championship contender to a degree. Um, So that's what I think it was for him. Ultimately. I'm also, I know that Washington's bringing in one heck of a recruiting class and obviously that's going to help. You're going to see the real dividends of a national championship birth next year, uh, but you still see like some of the jumps in in during the first year, right? Uh, bringing in Austin Mack from Folsom, California, a four-star QB, big dude, 6'6", 210. He's gotten a lot of energy um, in and around that university. Obviously, they've already brought in some guys from the transfer portal that he'll probably sit behind or at the very least compete with going into next year. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think for for Jed Fish, I love the hire. I mean, what a get for Washington way to way to land on your feet to you know to an extent. Uh, after losing the board, it's probably as far as coaches that were still available. He had to be one of the you know I, I won't even say still available, but he had to be one of the better coaches in college football to be able to bring in a similar kind of philosophy and a similar kind of um, direction from Arizona into Washington that DeBoer was able to do in his short time there. So I love the hire. I love it for Jeff Fish as well. Like I said, I think at Washington, he'll just have a better opportunity to be a consistent winner. Uh, maybe in two or three years from now, we'll be saying differently. But I think as right now, coming off the back of a national championship birth um, or appearance, you have a really good shot to take that momentum, not only in the state of Washington, but in the surrounding areas um and really make a really make a splash and obviously he's got connections in arizona that he can hit on as well now after what he's been, what he was able to do with the wildcats in such a short amount of time as well uh arizona you know the dominoes fall and they plucked up uh san jose state head coach brent brendan um and that is their new new head coach the spartans haven't named a new one yet but Obviously, that's going to be coming in the next couple days, week, however long it takes them to find a, a new coach to replace Brennan. So uh, your thoughts on the new head coach for the Wildcats here? Uh, you know, Brennan, uh, Brennan had a similar impact, I think, at, at San Jose State that Jed Fish did at, at Arizona. Um, took over as the head coach in uh, 2017. Um, spent some time there as an assistant prior to that, as, as, uh, coached a lot of places, um, out West, you know, spent, spent time in the, the PAC 10, PAC 12, uh, at Arizona was a GA there in 2000, um, was also, you know, at Washington, Oregon state, um, and has proven to be a successful head coach. I mean, he, uh, you know, Jed Fish, we talked about lost 11 games, uh, in his first season at Arizona, well, Brennan lost 11 games in his first two seasons, back-to-back, 2017-2018 at, at San Jose State. Um, and, you know, just slowly but surely, they got more competitive and started winning games. Won the Mountain West in 2020. Um, that in itself is is uh, just a really, really impressive coaching job, being able to navigate that situation um, and then took San Jose State to two more bowl games, back-to-back bowl games the last two years. Um, still has a losing record as a career head coach, 34 and 48. Uh, but taking over the, the situation he did and, and those first couple of years um, that were very, very difficult in San Jose State, is it's kind of a tough place to play. I mean, it's, it's a, an area where, you know, we talk about, California recruiting and and they have a little bit of history as well. Um, But it's just always been a program where it's tough to, to win and certainly to win consistently. And, and, you know, Brent Brennan did uh, just a really remarkable job, despite never having won more than seven games in a single season um, of finding consistency in a program where, you know, there doesn't, there's not a lot of money, you know, it's an area that's, that's one of the richest areas uh, in the country, maybe the world. And, and there were, you know, reports earlier this year that they would have to fundraise so that there could be breakfast for the players. Right. I mean, that's, that's high school stuff. Um, and so, 
you know, for him to uh, find underrated players, bring them in, you know, had some success in the transfer portal. Uh, you know, Chevin Cordero this year was was part of that. Um, but also finding, you know, under the radar players, develop them uh, from the high school level, junior college, uh, walk-ons uh, at San Jose State. Um, you know, he's a guy who I think that maybe the record doesn't look dazzling if, if you were just to, to quickly go through and, and look at the year by year. Um, but he can coach and, you know, has had to, to find ways to succeed at a, a pretty tough job, um, has had to do things, uh, you know, on a shoestring budget or, or you know, without uh, a whole lot of resources. And so he's going to a place in Arizona where, you know, there will be a few more uh, resources available to him. And, and I'm excited to see what he's able to do there. So there's a lot of moving parts, maybe more so at Arizona than there is elsewhere. I know leading up to, I mean, even right before we started recording, I think Washington uh, just a, an hour or two ago announced that, you know, uh, Brennan Carroll and, and uh, I, the wide receiver coach's name is, is slipping my mind right now. But, you know, there was, there was a lot of talk. Well, hey, if they can keep you know, one of those two guys, you know, maybe that's the key to, to keeping Fafita and, and McMillan, you know, then uh, Brennan is, is really set up maybe for some immediate success. If it turns out now where, as we are recording, there's more and more rumbling of, of guys who are entering the transfer portal, including 2024 signees, um, you know, it, it could get tough quick. Uh, but Similar to what I said about Kalen DeBoer, I, I think that Brent Brennan's a pretty good coach and and excited to see what he does um, at a job that's that's got a few more resources than he had coming in. Xavier, what are your thoughts on uh, Brennan heading over to U of A? Yeah, I, I love it. I think much like Nick, Nick alluded to, I think you're looking at a guy who's got to keep some of the fringe guys off the, on that staff um, and just kind of continue the momentum. There, there's much like what we're seeing at the board with Alabama in some respects, you got to be able to keep a couple. You might not be able to keep all, right? You just, this is not, uh, you know, always a feasibility to keep everybody, but you've got to keep the most important guys. And you can see already there's already a, an all out press to keep Fafita. There's all an all out press to keep some of those receivers. And that is what's most important to keep all of those, to keep the most important guys and to, and to make sure that you know that they, they can continue the momentum that they had last season, which is right in front of their face. Like it's right there. Like they're if they're able to hold on to Fafita and McMillan offensively, I, I don't feel as as worrisome about that team. Um, I feel like they could easily replicate what they were able to do this year to a degree next season. Um, and I'd be excited for what they were able to do under his offense. Right, I would love to see Fafita after what he was able to do with guys like Chevin Cordero um, it, next year. That that would be fun to watch. Um, and I know. Arizona fans, obviously, to an extent, to an extent, grieving the loss of Jay Fish. Now we're going on to, to, to Brennan. Offensively, you guys are gonna be just as fun to watch next week, next year. Um, I won't say regardless of if a feeder is there or not. Obviously, it would be a different level, but you're gonna be a very important and impressive team to watch offensively. He's gonna have to figure out the same thing that you know was had to figure out under Fish is how they're gonna play defense and how they're gonna get enough stops to help their offense week in and week out. Uh, but those things, I don't think by by appointing Brennan, having all of a sudden come under some some new 
needs and new changes um, that are going to impact their record too differently next year. I don't see that this team falling off of a cliff until, unless we, like we, like, like I said, we see some type of mass exodus from Arizona, which at this point in the cycle will just be, will be interesting uh, because it's one thing to happen for Bama where like you see all these five stars, you know, leaving, leaving Alabama, but you don't necessarily see mass exodus this late in the process where, you know, it's not, we're not too totally far away from, you know, spring practice, which is what, for, for some teams, two months away, less than, um, you know. So it, it will be interesting to see a mass exodus all of a sudden ensue at a school like 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 Arizona, to be perfectly honest with you. But I don't see that happening. Um, and if you don't see it happen, then I, I'm excited to see what Arizona can put together next season. We did have two other G5 jobs open uh, because, like Nick mentioned, South Alabama's Kane Womack, or however we're saying it now, will be the new D.C. at Alabama and Buffalo head coach. Mo That's Link it. I think you got it. I think you got is it. it. Womack? Okay. I think it's Womack. Yeah. All right. All right. We got it. We'll we got find it. out later. But I I'm think just so, you're right. You know, I remember Tony Womack. So whenever yeah, I see. That's just one M. Yeah, it's it is M. just one M. So I probably should have known better. But uh, Buffalo head coach Mo Linquist was hired as a defensive assistant. Uh, we did just hear right before we started recording that Major Applewhite is going to move on and become the head coach at uh, South Alabama. He was their OC last year, has experience, obviously, as well as a head coach before. But uh, your thoughts on some of the more of these uh, shifts and movements in the head coaching department here, Nick? Well, that that South Alabama job is is a really good job, actually. Um, so wasn't shocked because there is a history with Kalen DeBoer and uh, Kane Womack. Uh, <laughs> Who, uh, you know, they were they were coordinators at Indiana together, um, and uh, you know, South Alabama just built a, a new stadium recently uh, in Mobile. You know, that is is really where the uh, largest collection of talent in the state of Alabama is, close to some other talented areas as well. Um, you know, in the the state of Mississippi and the the junior college. Um, infrastructure that they've got there as well as uh you know florida and, and georgia of course um so it's a it's a good job and and you know i was very high our numbers were very high on south alabama this year and honestly they they kind of underperformed um there were certainly you know some some <laughs> big moments uh beating oklahoma state really dominating oklahoma state uh, was certainly one of them, um, but overall, you know, they they won double digit games in in 2022 and and returned a large uh, amount of production coming into this year. Thought that they might have, um, uh, you know, a, a chance to compete, maybe to be that highest ranked group of five team this year, and certainly it didn't work out. But um, it's a it's a good job, and you know. Getting Womack, who who has had a high level of success as a defensive play caller, um, is a good hire for Kalen DeBoer, having ties to the state of Alabama specifically, talking about some of the concerns that uh, we and others have brought up, you know, not a whole lot of ties to the area for DeBoer. Well, you know, Womack now is is uh, pretty established in the state. Um there, you know, has made some inroads perhaps that'll help speed that process up a little bit. Um, and 
you know, going back to that, something that just popped in, into my head, actually, uh, that I probably should have thought about before. But we remember when Matt Rule took over at Baylor. You know, that was a big question was, well, this guy's never coached anywhere, you know, not only just in Texas, but but anywhere close. And he did a really good job of, of hiring assistants that had a lot of ties to the state and were able to get him up and running pretty quickly. Um, you know, getting Womack specifically from the state of Alabama in his most recent uh, job, that's big. <laughs> Maurice Linguist uh, was at Buffalo. Also a little bit of a, a you know, underachieving uh, tenure there. Might not have... Um, been retained after this season, depending on on how things were going. But uh, he's somebody who who has coached in the SEC as well. So you know, Womack ties to the area, ties to to Alabama most recently. Uh, Linguist was hired from the Dallas Cowboys uh, at Buffalo, but prior to that, spent a couple of years at Texas A and M. A couple of years prior to that, was at Mississippi State. Um, you know, was coached at Valdosta State as well. So you know, a long time ago, but uh, has. Ties in the South has uh, SEC ties, so I, I think that DeBoer has done a really, really smart thing, hiring you know highly respected coaches, um, able to to pluck two sitting head coaches is is kind of impressive, but also um, they were strategic moves. One somebody who has uh, specific ties to and and you know a long history with, uh, but the other you know I think is is. Uh, really smart for you know his history and, and connection uh in the conference especially when when DeBoer doesn't um have those same connections and, and that same resume so um really interesting way of going about it I think pretty impressive but also uh opens up two other you know potential options we saw as you mentioned Applewhite um got the job it's a pretty good Pretty good job, pretty good opportunity. Apple White does have some head coaching experience at Houston. Didn't really work out there, but um, that offense at South Alabama has been good. They've produced uh, a pretty nice string of wide receivers the last few years, um, losing like their top guy each of the last three, four years and just sort of an assembly line. Um, they've kept up that that high level of production. So I think some consistency there is good for South Alabama, certainly on the offensive side. Uh, we'll see how the you know the staff as a whole shakes out if if they kind of keep most of that group together and and just you know lose the head coach. I think that's probably uh, good overall, but you know we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm sure Apple White has some some guys in mind that he'd like to bring in who uh, maybe aren't on staff there. But um, the Buffalo job is is uh, a very interesting one. It's it's one where you know we've seen. Recently, Lance Leopold, of course, who's a pretty special head coach, had a, a high level of success there, turned Buffalo into, uh, you know, the the strongest or, or one of the top MAC programs. They fell off a little bit under Linquist, but um, there's there's I think the the potential there, you know, to to for that to be a consistently winning program. So it'll be uh, I'll be curious to see certainly who who ends up at at uh, at that job and then. Um, if they, you know, happen to promote there or uh, maybe hire a, an FCS coach or, or something like that, um, maybe that'll slow down. Uh, probably should. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure that San Jose State or Buffalo are going to uh, tap any sitting FBS head coaches. So 
this probably is going to be the end of it for us unless, uh, you know, we, we, we'll find out what happens to Michigan. I think that's not going to necessarily set off a, a big, uh, a, you know, another set of, right. of dominoes. But uh, still, we're, we're not quite done just yet. Yeah, they have uh, the Wolverines. If, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh does decide to move on, it seems like Sharon Moore will be their uh, their new head coach. He took over while um, Harbaugh was suspended, obviously. And then uh, Harvard head coach Tim Murphy retired Wednesday after 30 years uh, there for the Crimson, which is, uh, I had no idea that he was there that long. <laughs> so that's a, a crazy amount of time. But um, yeah, the two, the two best coaches in college football retired within a week of one another. Yeah, yeah, the Tim Harvard Murphy, number one. Yeah, the Nick Harvard Saban, guy, which is what people call him because they don't know his name, and then Nick Saban, right? Tim Murphy took Cincinnati to to an eight and three record, and then left for Harvard. Yeah, <laughs> in what year? Nineteen ninety three. Right, believe. thirty years. Yeah, right. Yeah. That is in. Did you guys before we continue? Since we did, since you guys did bring up Harbaugh, did you see? the most recent like oddities to his contract demands. Yeah. He wants a protective contract. He wants immunity um, from any of the windfall from the possible. NCAA hey, stuff. you know what? I think if Pete Carroll would have thought of that, he might've coached at USC a little bit longer. I was right? talking to a friend of mine yesterday and I was like, is that possible? Can they give him that? And I was like, and, and he, both of us were like, I don't think legally you can give somebody immunity when you're not the governing body passing out the, well, you can. Well, I think they said like you, you he couldn't contract. get fired, right. right, from Michigan. So uh, like he could be suspended, or you know. But like, what if like what if like what if the NCAA is like you're suspended for the next two seasons? So you're just like the head coach in Michigan until like well, you know how weird that would be. Like <laughs> he would still be the head Monday coach. through Friday. Yeah, <laughs> like he was this year. So, right. I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't I haven't that's dug into to too much of that. But. I think that's just saying, hey, look. The NFL is going to offer me this guaranteed money, and I know I'm not going to be suspended. So, yep. you know, if uh, give, me, give me everything or give me nothing. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, if you're not going to match that, then why would I come back? You know, I topic think that's kind topic of for another day. But is is Jim Harbaugh going to be coaching our Atlanta Falcons, Xavier? Mm. <laughs> Topic for another day. We'll get there. Yeah, Those yeah, are some we'll, interesting we'll, faces. Yeah, look, 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 we'll get there. <laughs> I, I have, I have, um, pretty, I have a, I have a really good connected friend who said, and I quote, a decision will be made no later than like this time next week. So I'll be able to answer it hopefully by this time next week on the podcast. Mm. Um, yeah. So we'll, 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 we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I hope they hire Jim Harbaugh just for the reaction. It's so selfish of me. It's unbelievably selfish of me, <laughs> but I want to see Xavier's reaction. I wouldn't even like it for fantasy either, because we know that the same crap would be happening. It'd be the same caveman Jim Harbaugh offense of, <laughs> you know, use these running backs a million times and never throw the football. Yeah, so I did good. just see also breaking news uh, that, that the other, uh, you know, very successful head coach that I know has interviewed for our Atlanta Falcons yeah, job. That's, uh, it is not going to be going to Dallas. So. You want to you you get a reaction out of me? 
Bring that, bring that <laughs> Sith Lord to Atlanta. You'll get, you'll get a reaction out of me. We might not be able to actually publish that reaction, but you'll get a reaction out of me. For sure. That, that, that decision alone, yeah, you guys might need to check on me on that one. I might need a UOK text after that one. So. What is that? That Nick Saban is not going to uh, interview for the Falcons job? Is that what it is? No, it's Bill Belichick possibly being the Falcons head coach. Yeah. I would lose my yeah. – yeah. mm. and not in a positive way. Well, as I feel like as long as you're not putting him in charge of personnel, it'll be fine. Yeah, I just don't want the 28 to 3 memes. Could you imagine? Like, well, what if he brings you one? You're going to happen. If he brings me one, cool. Like, I, I throw my hands up and I say, appreciate you, old man. Now enjoy retirement <laughs> and let me go get my actual coach. But I can, I'll put you this way and we can move on. If I'm the owner of the Falcons, and this man moves into my office and I have to walk into his head coaching office every single day and see that Lombardi sticking behind him. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I could not, I could not have him in a meeting with me and my constituents with that ring on his finger. And he just like talking like this and just being like, yeah, you know, all the things I could do for the Falcons. You just know that that should have been yours. Yeah. I did. I, leave. leave. <laughs> all right. We're going to move on. We're not going to take Xavier down this this rabbit hole to talk about this stuff. Let's talk about the portal because there have been uh, a lot of movements. Obviously, Bama freshman starters Caleb Downs and Caden Proctor entered on Wednesday following several impact players earlier in the week, including wide receiver Isaiah Vaughn, who ended up at Texas. No big deal. Uh, Washington has now lost its uh, pretty much its entire starting lineup from the national championship, as Nick mentioned earlier between you know guys leaving um because DeBoer is out and NFL declarations so a lot going on there and uh we saw a couple guys leave from Arizona as well or enter the transfer portal at least in QB uh No Fafita and Tet McMillan uh Jonah Coleman had already entered the port uh the portal so let's start with those three teams and the news that we just talked about in uh the potential roster movements for Bama, Washington, and Arizona. Nick, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, well, well Arizona is, is definitely still a fluid situation. There, there are concerns, perhaps, uh, more so with, with sort of the Washington coaching staff uh, situation that, that Fafita and McMillan might enter the portal. That's not official yet, but it, it kind of seems like perhaps it's moving in that direction. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, Jonah Coleman was out pretty quick, uh, uh, you know, pretty decent list of, uh, 2023 and 2024 recruits, uh, have already entered the portal. So, um, that's, that's definitely the fluid situation. This, you know, maybe this time next week, we'll be talking about all the Arizona guys that, that, uh, have ended up in, in new spots, but, um, you know, we, we touched on a good bit of this early on so we don't have to to dig in it too too deep but you know alabama's dealing with something that that they haven't had to deal with in quite a while um you know bama as as much as uh you know the offensive line was not as dominant as it was in years past really the team as a whole was not as dominant as it was in years past uh but anytime you get a true freshman starting in alabama that's impressive you know and, and caden proctor was a starting left tackle. He improved over the course of the season. Um, certainly did struggle at times, had some growing pains, especially early on in the year. But um, somebody who was, you know, number one offensive line recruit 
in the country. This time last year, uh, day one starter at Alabama. That's incredibly impressive. And then I I didn't say it explicitly, but I alluded to it. I, I think Caleb Downs might be the best player in college football in 2024. Um, I know, you know, officially in the portal, he's, I, I believe, on three, if not 247 as well. Um, now I have him listed as the number one, you know, transfer uh, available. Um, there's certainly, you know, a connection to – uh, Georgia and, and Kirby Smart recruited uh, and that coaching staff recruit Caleb Downs, uh, who, you know, is from uh, the Atlanta area. So uh, maybe we'll be talking about how, you know, Georgia's, uh, you know, the rich keep getting richer, um, perhaps Downs. I, I think I saw, you know, hoping to have a decision in the next 48 hours, perhaps. So uh, could be Georgia, could be elsewhere, but, you know, it, it's it's really somewhat unprecedented um, for what we're seeing on on the level of of talent that is leaving Alabama potentially to play elsewhere in college football. You know, Isaiah Bond was leading receiver last year, as you said. He's he's at Texas now. Uh, two true freshman starters moving on, perhaps. Uh, Proctor had been a you know longtime Iowa commit uh, from Iowa, so uh, would not be surprised if he ends up uh, back there. So. Uh, it's it's something that we're just not used to. And, you know, Bama was a little slower than some to get in the transfer portal. But the last couple of years, they did pick and choose. And, and I mean, you know, Jamar Gibbs uh, maybe is, is one of the best examples. You know, they were able to, to pick and choose some of the best players in college football here and there. And, and you know, get guys who they were able to plug in and, and become starters uh, immediately at, at some you know, high impact positions. Um, and now they're losing that type of player potentially. So it, it's something that, that we really, you know, haven't seen in a while and, and it is going to be a major hurdle for Kalen DeBoer. But um, as others have said, uh, you know, don't be, don't be shocked if Alabama um, who, you know, Xavier, you made a great point earlier there, they didn't have to do quite as much maybe in the you know nil game uh and things like that so uh it should be perhaps understandable that, that guys are taking the you know opportunity to go out and make some money that that perhaps they uh weren't going to or or you know decided maybe not to pursue it at quite as high a level um but don't be surprised if you know in a few months when that uh portal window opens again in the spring Alabama is is one of those teams who are bringing in, you know, a lot of high profile uh, players. And, and you know, I imagine by that time, um, the the powers that be and, and the, the folks with the money uh, with Alabama ties and in that in the you know, Tuscaloosa area. Um, I don't I don't think that that, you know, NIL discounts necessarily going to be. Uh, necessary, but I still think Alabama is probably going to be just fine. But still, as of right now, it's it's uh, it's kind of wild to see guys like Caleb Downs uh, and Caden Proctor and, and Isaiah Bond, and and you know we'll see others, I'm sure. Um, but to see those guys leave voluntarily, potentially for for another program, um, it's it's uh, we haven't seen it before, <laughs> at least you know uh, to to my memory, I don't I don't think of freshman all-american uh maybe i'm making a big you know uh mistake but i don't remember any freshman americans uh leaving alabama 
to to potentially go play, you know, at a at a conference rival or or somewhere else uh, voluntarily. Yeah, lots of movement here, Xavier. Your thoughts on the movement from the teams that we've previously talked about: Alabama, yeah. Washington, Arizona. Yeah. So when we talk about Alabama, obviously, like I said, you know, when it comes to Caleb Downs, huge. Um, he likened him to Minka Fitzpatrick as far as who he was as a freshman. I mean, that is as high as a praise you can get from, from Nick Saban. And ultimately, he's going to shift uh, college football to, cert- to a certain degree. You look at who he could be with next year. Georgia could arguably have the best safety room in college football if he goes there um, and partners with Malachi Starks. Or you look at him going to Ohio State next year and helping out a secondary that's losing some talent, um, you know, some older talent that was also on the team this year. So. He's going to impact somebody's team massively. Um, there's people who thought that there's genuinely people who think that he could leave college this year and probably be the best safety on the board in this year's draft. And that's not me over exaggerating. That's what I've already heard on Twitter coming into this year and what people have seen from his play this year. Um, Alabama fans are not happy, by the way. Uh, they are not happy. I've no, I've, I've been sent a couple of I've, I've seen a couple of tweets that I was like, really, guys, this is what we're doing to a, a 19 year old. Right. But also, you know, I got a tip today that Justice Haynes might also be in the portal. And if they could lose another one to Georgia, that would just be huge. Um, you know, if if, George, if if Kirby Smart could ultimately end up flipping Georgia into just dominating the state, it would just obviously be massive going forward. Um, as far as Caden Proctor, that's huge. Funny enough, <laughs> as soon as he entered the portal, everybody just put it started putting up Colorado memes. And they were like, look. Hey, Prime, you need another one. You need as many as you can get. Get them all. Uh, so, uh, obviously, Caden Proctor would be a huge gift for anybody. But, obviously, if he did end up at Colorado, he would feel an extreme important need there, obviously, with their offensive line being ridiculed all last year. All right, how about uh, the rest of the moves here, Nick? We saw Cam Ward, who we thought was going to the NFL, and I thought he'd even accepted uh, to one of the, you know, the like the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl or one of them. But he ended up at Miami. We saw Jane Delora go from uh, go to Texas State. Uh, so TJ Finley entered the portal. Uh, Matt Sluka uh, transferred from Holy Cross UNLV, uh, which you have listed as an under the radar move. Some big wide receivers on the move. Uh, obviously, Isaiah Bond to Texas. Also, a si- Silas Bolden from Oregon State to Texas. CJ Daniels went from Liberty to LSU, and Evan Stewart found a spot at Oregon. And one of our highest-rated defenders, CFB winning edge, Tennessee pass rusher Tyler Barron flipped his commitment from Old Miss to Louisville. So uh, still a bunch of movement here, but start with Cam Ward and, and move on down from these moves. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cam Ward news uh, was really surprising because, I mean, he released a video, right, talking about going to the NFL. Um, I, yeah, I believe he had accepted that East-West Shrine game invite looked like he was headed there preparing for the nfl um and then you know did an about face uh going to miami um uh, who was very much involved in in his recruitment it sounded like you know it was down to to miami or the nfl and and he made that choice but then you know a week or 10 days or however long it was after uh made a, made a different choice. And, and so um, we talked about Reese Poffenbarger committing to Miami on last week's show. I'm not sure if he's decommitted or, you know, I know he still has uh, at least two years of eligibility, I believe. So maybe they both end up there. I don't know. Um, But that's a, that's a big pickup because Miami is, is uh, 
a team that, as we talk about year in, year out, I feel like we have, you know, from the very beginning of, of uh, our show, um, they are talented. They rank high in our roster strength ratings year in and year out. And it looked like perhaps maybe without uh, a highly rated quarterback in, in our individual player ratings, maybe 2024 was going to be the year that we weren't overhyping, overrating Miami. Well, you know, now they they brought in Cam Ward. So he's a guy who's got a mid-90s uh, video game rating in, in our uh, projections. And, and so... Miami's going to be just as just as talented on paper as as they ever were, most likely. Uh, and and Ward's definitely going to be part of that. So I'll be very curious to see if he is, you know, the type of quarterback that's going to be able to uh, get that roster, you know, to play up to its its level uh, of talent. Uh, stop that that you know talented group uh, from underachieving. I know they got some receivers there, even losing Colby Young to. To Georgia, there's there's definitely still uh, some playmakers available, um, so it's it's an interesting move, and and I'm definitely curious to see how it how it all shakes out. Uh, I know the CFF community, you know, Campus to Canton, our Discord, our, our uh, Slack, and and you know, folks on Twitter who who uh, pay attention to this sort of thing. Everybody is excited about Jane Delora at, at Texas State, um, GJ Kenny you know, did a really incredible first year head coaching job. Um, they bring back some talented wide receivers and, and playmakers on offense. That offense as a whole uh, is, is you know, they've been productive everywhere Kenny has been. And, and you know, Delora can play. He uh, didn't necessarily lose that Arizona job because he didn't play well. He got hurt and Fafita came in and, and really just kind of uh, raised the level of play of, of that unit as a whole. Um, but Jaden Delora, he's had success. He had some success at Washington State. He has some success in Arizona. Uh, so I would expect that he's going to be a, a great fit in that offense and set up for a really, really productive year. It does seem a little strange, though, because according to you know some reports, uh, you know from from TJ Finley's camp or around him, uh, which I don't know that we touched on this, but. Uh, you know, maybe a week ago or sometime this past week, Finley announced that he was coming back to Texas State. And there were some, you know, thoughts uh, right around the bowl game of, yeah, he could declare for the NFL. He could maybe enter the transfer portal. He could come back to Texas State. It sounded like uh, as an update to that, it basically boiled down to, is it going to be Texas State or retirement? Apparently he was considering stepping away from football. Uh, so... Also, you know, following that up, there were reports that Finley didn't know that Texas State was looking to bring in Jaden Delora or, or, you know, maybe any other quarterback, uh, certainly of that level of experience, who you would expect would would be in the mix to start or certainly be capable of it. So a surprise to Finley and and, uh, you know, as a result, uh, he's on the move looking for school number four, um, assuming he, you know, doesn't uh, reconsider. Uh, retirement. So uh, that's that's just sort of a, a whole interesting situation, but at least on paper, Jane Delora looks like a really, really good fit there. And yeah, Matthew Sluka, Holy Cross. Um, we don't talk FCS much. I know we <laughs> talked Tim Murphy for a minute earlier, uh, but Sluka is a guy who has, has I mean, he's a dual threat guy, um, incredibly productive career so far. Um, he's a guy who's, 
you know, I've already done his uh, player rating for our our uh, team profiles. He's mid nineties. I mean, him and Cam Ward are pretty much uh, the the same uh, rating. Which you know, they're both FCS transfers, so weren't highly uh, rated coming into you know coming into college, but uh, put together just a really really strong career. And I mean, Sluka has added 28 production points in his FCS career. Uh, he's a 93 right now in our ratings. And that's with, you know, keeping his uh, his raw talent rating uh, at that FCS level. So not getting him, you know, giving him a bump. Cam Ward actually had a bump. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, Sluka going to UNLV, which is a really, really fun offense, uh, which despite being connected to just about every G5 head coaching job and quite a few Power five or power four uh, offensive coordinator jobs. Brennan Marion, it sounds like, is is going to be back at uh, at UNLV for a second season, assuming he doesn't end up at Buffalo or San Jose State. But who knows? By the time you listen to this, maybe he will. Um, but Sluka uh, could could be a really really fun addition uh, to that UNLV offense, and I think especially with him being as highly rated as he is in, in our numbers. I mean, he's a you know, he's a seven, eight, nine point uh, improvement over Jaden Maeva, who was the Mountain West, you know, conference uh, freshman of the year at, at UNLV this past year. Sluka's is, at least from a productive standpoint for his career, uh, a better quarterback than, than Maeva. So um, I think UNLV right now, if they're able to, to keep this group of transfers together, which includes some pretty high profile defensive backs guys like Jalen Catalan who was an all-american candidate a couple of years ago at Arkansas transferred to Texas Malik Chavis was at uh, Arkansas Tony Grimes five-star recruit uh at North Carolina was at Texas A&M last year um they've got a lot of really highly rated players uh a defensive lineman from Yale who's in the mid-90s so this UNLV team if this transfer class comes together and they keep that uh coaching staff together I think they're going to be our Mountain West favorite, maybe. Um, and, and Sluka definitely looks like he's going to be a, a big part of that. So uh, curious to see that. And then, yeah, you touched on the wide receivers. Um, I won't dig into it too much. You'll have to listen to uh, Chasing the Natty. I'll be on with uh, Jared uh, recording Thursday. I'm not sure when that will publish. But we're going to go deep on on transfer receivers. But uh, definitely Evan Stewart has the potential to be one of the very best wide receivers in college football going in that Oregon offense. Seems like he's set up for a really, really good year. I'm highly intrigued by uh, CJ Daniels. Um, you know, that, that Liberty offense, uh, it's not like they completely ignore the passing game, but it's a, a run heavy offense and CJ Daniels still, you know, had a great statistical season. Uh, was really impressive, made some big catches, big plays. Um, LSU needs a number one receiver, uh, missing, you know, with, with Malik neighbors and, and Brian Thomas moving on to the NFL. I think Daniels could be that guy. I know they're bringing back some, some talented players as well, but, um, I think that, that Daniels is really set up for a really strong, uh, year. And, and then that Texas wide receiver group, I mean, man, it's, Looking it's gotten, good. it's good. It's gotten deep and, and good. I mean, the, we talked to Matthew Golden a few weeks ago. Now they have Bond and Bolden, Golden, Bond, and Bolden. Bolden, Bond, Golden uh, are all there, plus, you know, John Tay Cook and, and that talented group that they brought in. 
uh, before. So maybe that Texas wide receiver group now is the, you know, in the mix there with that Ohio state and uh, Washington group from this past year. Um, they're, they're, they're going to be a force, but uh, those wide receivers, uh, you know, we've talked quarterbacks more often than not and understandably so. Um, but now we're starting to see other, other positions uh, really start to, to figure out where, where guys are landing including, you know, one of those top overall players, Evan Stewart, um, finding his destination is, is uh, yeah, he's going to be a major impact player, potentially, you know, a, a spot where he can capitalize and, and maybe become that all American that, that he looked like he was going to be uh, signing out of high school. But um, we're seeing some defensive players as well. And, and, you know, we talked about how highly rated Ole Miss is in those transfer ratings. Well, they lose Barron right before we started recording uh, Tez Nichols in the, a transfer from Illinois also flipped from Ole Miss to, to uh, Louisiana or uh, Louisville. Um, so something to, to keep an eye on as well as, as we record Lane Kiffin apparently is driving around Tuscaloosa. I don't know if you guys have seen that, <laughs> uh, but he's, he's tweeting out photos of, of uh, uh, the areas around the university of Alabama campus. So uh, everything is, is moving this time next year, who knows, or this time next week, who knows what uh, massive, massive thing is shifted in, in college football. Uh, but at least as of, as of right now, we're, we're starting to get a little bit more of an idea as where some of these high profile transfers are ending up. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, no more random coach coaching retirements here that, uh, shift the entire look of the national, uh, you know, database here. So Xavier, your thoughts on Cam Ward going to Miami. Yeah. Jaden Delora, uh, stepping over to Kansas state. Luca, the wide receivers, every uh, all the rest of them. What are your thoughts here on the the more ancillary um, moves that are still incredibly impactful? For sure. I mean, there's nothing ancillary about Cam Ward deciding to go back to school. Uh, finally, a kid that properly used the draft system in the way you use it. If you're somebody who don't who does not know how the NFL feels about you, you put your name out there. You enter the draft, you let everybody make podcasts for a week and a half about you, telling you that you're going to be a day two pick, possibly a day three project, and you say, you know what, I want to be a first rounder, I'm going to go back to school. Bravo. Bravo. That is the way you do it. That is how you use the system for your benefit, how you are able to find yourself in a position where now he knows that teams, in the, where, where a lot of NFL teams feel about him, now he can go back to school, fix those things, work on those things, and put together hopefully a performance at Miami that will be indicative of a first-round draft pick. Good job, Cam Ward. Um, Jaden Delora, felt that you were better than Texas State, bro, but happy to see you now playing at a high-flying offense. It's going to be fun to watch. I know CFF guys are probably all over this one. Um, So by all means, please ball out, Uh, because I do think, unfortunately, that if he does ball out at Texas State, he will find himself as one of the hotter quarterbacks going into the next year's transfer portal. Uh, which would then give him three straight or, or three times entering the portal. We got to start keeping tracks of like the records of how many times kids enter the portal. Uh, <laughs> list. I know I, I feel like um, nobody's going to pass the likes of JT Daniels and, and Tate Martell. But we just got to keep an idea of like who's 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 who as far as the guys who consistently enter the portal on a, on a yearly basis. Um, Silas Bolden going from Oregon State to Texas. I mean, Jesus, do you guys need any more receivers? Like, yeah, we need them. Like yeah. we get it, you guys. Worthy and Mitchell. 
You've got you've gotten all these receivers and Quinn Ewers have decided to go back to school. Your, your offense is going to be really nice next year. Uh, like we understand, uh, but no, to be honest, great decision. I think love the move. Obviously, I'm all in favor of receivers realizing, hey, there's a good quarterback there. There's a good offense there. I'm going to go join that school. Like, at the very least, you become a wide receiver three, and you still end up with 400 yards and three touchdowns. That's like the worst situation that happens. Um, bouncing around here a bit, C.J. Daniels in the, uh, going to LSU. Interesting move. Uh, I know for LSU fans, another Daniels at, at LSU gets them excited. Um, will be an interesting battle between him and Nussmeyer. I will be extremely interested to see how that ends up going and who Brian Kelly decides to be his QB next year. Uh, but extremely talented kid. I mean, we saw Liberty's offense all year put up high numbers and high totals. Um, and even for, you know, that little small moment in time was beating Oregon uh, in their respective bowl game this year. So we know the kid's got talent. I would love to see him at a bigger school, so I'm happy to see it. Um, and excited to see what he looks like in the spring when, like I said, he battles with Gary Nussmeyer. Um, outside of those moves, I don't think I have too much to say. Obviously, Bond, Isaiah Bond, going to Texas, elite movement. Um, he's probably one of the best receivers in the market outside of Evan Stewart. He's probably right behind him. Um, but obviously, Evan Stewart, and I'll finish off there, deciding to go to Oregon. Dan Lanning does it again. This is a guy who, year in and year out, is able to recruit and, and get to those, those those kids that he had relationships with. Evan Stewart was a guy he recruited heavily at his time um, in Georgia, um, and obviously is going to be going to a school with a with a high octane offense. I, him and Dylan Gabriel, I mean, geez, they're going to put up numbers. Um, it's going to make the Big Ten fun again. I mean, we're going to have true offenses in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State and Michigan. It's going to be bliss. Um, so, yeah, uh, that, that's all I've got to say about the transfers. Um, I think this was probably, as far as so far, probably you're like – it felt like the the, high, the highest crop of talent shifting um, at one time in the last, like, week and a half. Obviously, that may change now with, with the exodus that could happen from Bama and the possible mass exodus we may get from Michigan, deciding depending on whether Harbaugh leaves or not. Uh, so, interested to see how the portal goes from here. Like I said earlier, we are not – too far. Nick's going to be telling us about spring games that are happening way too early. And like like March 6th, watch. It's going to be some random early March date because they want to get the kids ready for finals or, you know, they want to let the kids go for spring break. And we're going to have like March 11th, Army. So I'm like, ah, we're already back in the fold. Uh, so kids got to make decisions quickly because at some point, guys, you know, you got to get ready for spring. It's not just about being there at any given point. You guys got to get ready and decide where you guys are going. So excited to see who enters the portal next. Obviously, we've got some rumor mill guys already, you know, um, there and decided excited to see who falls where um, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, there's a lot of moves left to be made here still. But uh, like Xavier said, and uh, Nick, do we have dates for the first spring games at all? There, there are some spring game dates uh, that have come out. I, I looked, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. I, I haven't really uh, looked recently, but, uh, you know, I remember when Herm Edwards was at Arizona State, they started spring practice in like mid-February. So, I mean, there's... because you can in Arizona. Few, right, right. <laughs> there are probably a few that'll be uh kicking off maybe by the end of, of february certainly early march um 
this year, you know, is a little different. I, I was trying to actually, uh, while Xavier was was talking, trying to game out in my head a little bit. Should a team try to start as early as possible? Because you know, in in the before times, that made a lot of sense, right? You you if you have an injury, gives you more time to prepare. Also, it kind of lets you you know turn the calendar quicker um gives you a chance to to really assess your roster um early on in the process so you you know exactly what you're looking for perhaps maybe even more so than you would otherwise uh with that spring transfer window but now i mean with with there being so much uh yet to be determined in the portal i kind of wonder if it makes more sense to push it back as far as possible. So, you know, maybe if you're a team that's still looking to, you know, maybe there's a surprise quarterback that, that ends up jumping in like Jaden Daniels a couple of years ago. Um, maybe you're able to, to get that guy in for spring and, you know, really get a, a long look at, at what's uh, to come in, in the year ahead and, and give that guy uh, you know, more time and, and more opportunities to win the job, get, you know, ready to, to hit the ground running uh, by the time the season starts, because, you know, there are going to be some guys, uh, high profile guys in the portal available in, in the spring. And and certainly some of those players will be able to come in and in the summer and, and make an impact start day one and all that good stuff. But, you know, the more time, the better, the more practice reps, the better, especially, uh, with all these teams, the large number of transfers that we have, it takes a little more time to gel maybe than a team that had been, uh, you know, working out in the offseason together for so long and, you know, multiple years, uh, all that. So anyway, it's all, yeah, we'll, plenty of time to talk about it, but spring is is around the corner. But uh, I, I, it seems like this year um, perhaps there are fewer, you know, at least it hasn't come to my attention, maybe as easy. You know, you're looking at fbschedules.com. Uh, there's the first spring game that's listed here is uh, Penn State at the FBS level on April 13th. That's kind of late. Usually, that's kind of in the the big mass of of games. That that April 20th date, where Baylor, Oklahoma, and Texas are currently listed. That I think is the biggest. Usually that third Saturday in April is is kind of where the the, the largest number of uh, spring games is. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. We're going to start seeing some uh, dates pop up for you know late March things in in that area. All right. Well, I think that is it. I think we covered it all for now. Obviously, a lot of sh- movements and shifting in college football. Uh, and we will be here for it with you guys. Remember to follow us on Twitter at campus to Canton, the number two Canton at Bogman sports for myself at CFB winning edge for Nick and at Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E for Xavier. And that is it for us. We will see you next time. Take it easy, everybody.